Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. If you have your Bible, turn to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 11. As you're turning there, I want to read this to you. A doctor, a scientist, a boy scout, and a pastor were all on a small private plane when suddenly the plane developed engine trouble and started going down. The pilot grabbed a parachute immediately, and he yelled to the passengers that they had better jump, and he bailed out. Unfortunately, there were only three parachutes left and four guys still on the plane. The doctor that grabbed one, and he said, you know, I'm a doctor, and I save lives, and so I've got to live. And so he grabbed his parachute, and he jumped out. The scientist immediately said, I'm the smartest person in the world. The world needs my knowledge. He grabbed a parachute and he jumped too. Well, the pastor looked at the boy and he said, son, I've lived a long life. You're young and you have your whole life ahead of you. Take the last parachute and live in peace. The boy handed the parachute back to the pastor and he said, don't worry, pastor. The smartest man in the world just jumped out of the plane with my backpack. Come on, how many of you know that sometimes you can be smart and still make dumb decisions? We're kicking off a series today called The Right Choice, the power to make good choices. And I think over the next several weeks, this could be some of the most important information that you'll hear. In fact, this is a result of a survey that we took back in February that you filled out when we asked you the topics that that would be most helpful, information that you felt like would be useful. This was the top requested item of everything, making good decisions. And how many of you know that our lives are marked by the daily choices that we make? And the quality of your life is determined by your ability to do this well. Some decisions we make are small. You know, sometimes we we decide, okay, what are we going to wear today? I don't know. That may be a big decision for some of you. Uh, You know, what uh, what are we going to eat for breakfast? Or what route do we take to work? Or, you know, should I buy this item when it's 20% off? Come on, ladies. Come on. Or should I wait for a bigger sale? Just buy it anyway. Um, Some decisions we make are a little bit larger than that. We we make decisions about where to attend college, uh, what career path that we want to pursue, who we're going to date, who we'll eventually marry, what friends to surround ourselves with, our faith and our trust in God. All of these decisions, whether they're small or large, they shape the trajectory of our lives. Sometimes decisions are a lot like dominoes. One decision affects another decision. And you'll make a decision based on you and what you see. But how many of you know it doesn't just touch your life, it touches those around you? As parents, we make decisions that influence our children. Some of you are in friendships, and and a friend has made a choice that's affected your life. Sometimes people make choices at work, and it changes the environment. So a decision is never isolated. It's never about one individual. How many of you have ever been afraid because you've got so many things to choose from, and you don't want to make the wrong choice? 
Sometimes you're just bombarded with so many options and you get paralyzed with fear. Have you ever walked into a restaurant and you had this kind of anxiety come over you because you, you, you didn't know what to choose on the menu? The menu was so big and you're thinking, man, I, I don't want to mess this up. You know, or uh, my son loves to go to Izzo's. Izzo's is his all-time favorite. The first time I walked into Izzo's, I was like d- dazed, confused. Where do I start? I know there's, there's a menu on the wall, but then I'm getting all these questions. What kind of tortilla do you want? Do you want it wheat? Do you want it flour? Do you want it spinach? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. Give me just a minute, please. Well, what kind of size? Do you want it like a, 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 a misdemeanor, a, a felony, a super felony? I'm like, What? <laughs> I thought I was coming here to eat. I don't want to get arrested. You want beef? You want chicken? You know, and then you start, okay, so you start going down the line. Um, yeah, I'll take some olives. Give me some pico. How about some guacamole? Okay, it's going to be extra for guac. Right? All these things, and then, you know, you reach the end of the line. And it's like, okay, do you, do you want a meal deal? Do you want it with chips and queso? What do you want to drink? And then by the time you get to the register, it's like, you know, cash, credit, or debit. I don't know. Slow down. Do you want to become a member here? We sign up for our rewards program. <sighs> by the time I get my food, I just want to sit down and eat in peace. You know, sometimes life throws so many choices at you. And if you're not prepared, if you're not guided and grounded, you can make some crazy decisions. How many of you, maybe the best way to start this series, I think this would be a lot of fun, if we just took a microphone and passed it down the aisle and each person just take 30 seconds to tell the worst decision they've ever made. How many of you might be encouraged by some of the things that you hear? You're like, oh, great. I'm glad I'm not the only one. Well, in, in this series, the book of Proverbs is so helpful. Proverbs is wisdom literature. It's the, how many of you, you, you want wisdom to help guide your choices? Man, we, we don't want to just arbitrarily, in the moment, out of emotion or feeling, decide something that could not just affect us, but affect our families and those that we love. And so God loved us so much that he, he put the book of Proverbs as a barometer to guide us as we make decisions. Proverbs is the wisdom book. And what I love about this series, and, and I think you're going to be encouraged today as well, throughout this series, our pastors and our staff, we've written devotionals out of the book of Proverbs. So each day you'll be able to read a proverb and then a thought that can plant a seed of wisdom as you make decisions. How many of you know that there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom? Knowledge is a little bit different than wisdom. Knowledge is having the right information, but wisdom is knowing what to do with it. How many know there's a difference between Google and God? Google give you a lot of information. Come on, somebody. You do a Google search, and you can get 1.2 million results in about 2.3 seconds. That's a lot of information. Knowledge is everywhere, but wisdom is scarce. God says, I'm going to give you not just knowledge. I'm not just going to give you information, but I'm going to show you how to apply that to your life. So over the next several weeks in this series, we're going to talk about the key to making right choices. We're going to talk about how to avoid train wreck decisions. Come on, somebody. We're going to talk about how to hear God's voice. And then finally, we're going to cross the finish line in this series talking about how to overcome bad decisions. How many of you are leaning in right now and you're thinking, man, this series is for me? If you have your Bibles, turn to Proverbs chapter 11. 
Proverbs chapter 11, verse 14. And the title of this message today is, Where's Your Squad? Where's your squad? And we're kind of using this, this game show, The Price. How many of you remember watching The Price is Right as a kid growing up? Oh, yeah. Back in the day when the summers were so long, you know, man, you didn't, you didn't want to go outside because your skin would melt off your body. We didn't have cable. We just had the three main sta- stations, ABC, NBC, and CBS. And CBS at noon was none other than Bob Barker. Come on down. You're the next contestant on The Price is Right. And, you know, we'd watch that all summer long. Every day we'd get up and see The Price is Right. And you know what's interesting to me? Because the, 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 the studio is filled with people, and they all got their name tags, and then they're sitting, you know, in their groups. They got their T-shirts, whatever, and they're just waiting for their name to be called. And when your name is called, what would you do? Oh, you would go crazy. Is Mike Heyman in the house? <laughs> Come on down. It's like <laughs> high five, high five. Oh, spirit fingers, spirit fingers. I'm here. How many of you wish people would get that excited coming to church? <laughs> oh, wow. And then you get there on contestant row, and then, you know, the first item up for a bit is a toaster. Oh, a toaster. Oh, a toaster. It's a toaster. It's a toaster. <laughs> and they give all the features of the toaster, and, you know, bids are like $799. And you're thinking, like, wow, that thing better make bread. It better butter that bread, and it better feed me. Come on, somebody. Everybody's giving prices, and man, you're trying to figure it out, and there's lights, and there's pressure, and everybody's looking at you. What do the contestants do when they're down there trying to make a bid? They look back. Come on now, you know where I'm going. I can't even breathe. (laughs) They look back to their squad, right? They look back to their crew, and a lot of times they're all wearing the same t-shirts. You know where they came from. You know who they belong to. And so everybody in the studio is shouting something, but they're not listening to the opinions of everybody else. They're looking to their squad. Proverbs eleven fourteen. check this out. The Bible says, where there is no counsel, the people fall. Let me make a modern translation. If you don't have a squad, you are destined to fall. Where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. Can I have a good amen? In other words, the Bible says in the absence of community, you are destined to make bad choices. But in the presence of community, one translation says not only is there safety, but there is wisdom. Turn to your neighbor and say, you got to have a squad. You got to surround yourself with people in this life that will help you move forward in the plans and purposes of God. Why is this important? The truth is, all of us have blind spots, do we not? You know, you've got areas in your life that you can see very well, but then there are other parts of your life that you don't see at all. Nod your head if you're with me. When you're driving down the road and you're about to change lanes, what is it highly recommended that you do? 
first of all, put on the blinker so the rest of us know what you pray. I mean, come on, help us out. You don't own the road. You share it with the rest of us. Put on your blinker, look in your mirrors, and then check your blind spot. You know, and when you have a squad, they help you see things that you miss. You know, and, and that's the nature of humanity. We all miss things. I've got the world according to me, but how many of you know the world according to yourself is a small world? If you only see what's in front of you, then you're missing some valuable things around you. Being a part of a squad helps you catch what you're missing. I remember when the kids were small, when the girls were really small, I don't even think Trevor was born, and they liked to have these makeup parties. And so they would invite me to come, Dad, can you join us for tea? And, and they'd have these little makeup parties. They, they would want to make me up. So, man, they're putting on eyeshadow and glitter and, man, lipstick. I mean, get me all pretty. Dad, let's do your nails. How many dads have done this before? Come on. Turn in your man card. Just be honest right now. Okay. And so, so I'm just a willing participant. Love these girls. Man, I want to be in, uh, dialed into their world. And so this is the world of makeup. Dad, you, you look so pretty. Let's go show mama. Go show mama. Okay, hey, mama, how am I looking? Oh, baby, you're looking right. And I remember after one, one morning, uh, I just got busy, kind of lost track. And, and Rachel sent me on some errands to Walmart. <laughs> oh, Yes. And I'm in Walmart picking up three or four things that, that Rachel, had, uh, she got me a list, okay? So I got to make sure I get this, and I'm going to add some chocolate milk to that list, because that's what we do, add chocolate milk to the list. So I, I'm going through the checkout line, and the lady behind the counter looked at, have you ever, you ever walked in a public place and people look at you strange? And you're like, man, I don't know what's going on here. Something felt a little funky. She was looking at me, and I was thinking, man, I, my face is probably glowing like Moses when he came off the mountain with the Ten Commandments and the glory of God was. A, I didn't know what she, she looking at me all strange. And I get back in my car and I look in the rearview mirror. I'm like, oh, dear God. I just walked into Walmart fresh from a makeup party. You know what? A squad helps you see things that you can't see on your own. And you know, the, the, this is such an important part of our relationship with God, is the community we share with others. Psalm chapter 1, look at what the Bible says, Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked. Let me read that again. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers. I want you to see this. The first thing I want you to jot down is this. Number one, you're going to have to silence some wrong voices. You know, because the truth is this. When you listen to wrong voices, you make wrong choices. If, you, if you've got people around you that are speaking confusion and doubt and unbelief, how many of you know that's not going to help you make a wise decision? How many of you wish that in life there were some people that came with a remote control so that you could just press the mute button? Do you have any body or any voices in your world that maybe you just need to silence? You just press a button, and so it's like, okay, I can think now. I can hear other voices with that voice being subtracted. You know, the truth is we live in a culture that everybody has a platform. Everybody has a microphone. Social media gives everybody a voice. 
And that's good, but it can also be dangerous. Because with all the chaos and all the decibels and all the messages that are being sent, if you're listening to wrong voices, you will make wrong choices. It's not a good idea to say, hey, Twitter, what do you think I should do about this? How many of you know, if, if you put that out on social media, and you, let's say you have, you know, 500 followers, you're probably going to get up to 500 different perspectives, right? And if you've got to be careful who you're listening to, the information you're receiving. Don't base your life on unreliable authority. That only creates confusion and deception. In fact, I'll say this. You can't spend five hours on social media and only five minutes in the Word of God and expect to hear two trumpet blasts, see three angels, and the bushes in your front yard be set on fire. I promise you. It ain't going to happen that way. Can I have a good amen? You say, but Mike, how, how do I know what voices are wrong? How do I know? If you say silence wrong voices, what are those wrong voices? Uh, sometimes we, we think that any voice that disagrees with me is a wrong voice. Let me tell you this. If your God never disagrees with you, you might be worshiping an idealized version of yourself, okay? Just because somebody has a different view from you doesn't necessarily mean that it's wrong. That might be the Holy Spirit talking to you about an area of your life that you need to change. Come on, smile at me now, smile at me. Are you guys into this message? Can you inform your face you're into this message? Okay, how do we identify wrong voices? Well, we have to have a standard, and the standard has to be this book. It's, it's his voice. Listen, if we're listening to his voice, we can make the right choice. The Bible says, man, we're not standing in the way of sinners or sitting in the seat of the scornful. Man, we don't walk according to the counsel of the ungodly. But look at verse 2. But we delight in the law of the Lord. But we delight in the word of God. And we meditate on his word day and night. I want to encourage you, the more time you spend in this book, the less time you'll spend in confusion. The better familiar we are with God's word, the easier it is to detect a counterfeit. Come on, are you with me? And how many of you know there's a lot of counterfeits in the, in the culture of today? A lot of people that think they know some things, but you know what? If it doesn't line up with God's word, the more we meditate on this this law, this law of liberty, the Bible says, the easier it is for us to identify a counterfeit. How do you silence wrong voices? Well, you use God's word as the standard. And then you say, okay, doubt, unbelief, insecurity, and fear, those things have got to go. Are you with me? Number one, silence wrong voices. But number two, once we silence wrong voices, then we got to choose the right squad. We got to choose, okay, there's some things that, that we unplug from, there's some volume that we turn down, but then we got to say, okay, Lord, once we've got your word as the standard, now I've got to surround myself with people that can reinforce your word to me. Bible tells us a story in, in Second Chronicles. It's really interesting. 
Solomon, who was the author of Proverbs, and the Bible says he was the wisest man to ever live. Solomon had a son named Rehoboam. And after Solomon passed away, Rehoboam became the king of the nation. And so in the early days of Rehoboam's reign, there was a problem that rose up. There was a complaint from the labor force of the nation. And they came to Rehoboam and they said, look, your dad, man, he worked us extremely hard. Man, he levied heavy taxes on us. Would you please lighten up the load? So he's got this problem. Rehoboam has this issue in the nation, and he's got a, a question that he's got to solve. And so he goes to the advisors of his dad. He goes to the older men, and he asks them, okay, here's the complaint. Here's the challenge. What do you recommend that I do? And all of his dad's advisors said this, if you will lighten up the load, listen to the cry of the people, be good to them, they will be your loyal subjects forever. But you know what? He, he went to his friends, and he said, okay, all you young guys, my age, my peers, tell me, this is the problem. What's your advice? And they said, oh, no, 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 no. You tell them that your little pinky is bigger than your daddy's waist. You, you tell them that if he beat them with, with uh, 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 whips, that you'll beat them with scorpions. And so now he's got two different views. He goes back to the labor union and he says, listen, here's what we're going to do. You think my dad was tough? You haven't seen anything yet. He listened to the advice of his peers instead of his father's advisors. And you know what happened? It cost him the kingdom. Hear me, church. You don't think that your squad is important? You don't think that God works through close companions that are committed to the word and love you? This is a prime example. Second Chronicles 10.8, the Bible says, but Rehoboam rejected the advice of the older men and instead asked the opinion of the young men who had grown up with him and were now his advisors. Here's what's amazing to me. The book of Proverbs was written by Solomon. And many times in Proverbs, he says, my son. My son, my son. Who's he talking to? Rehoboam. He's literally writing instructions to his son. My son, Rehoboam, listen to my, incline your ears into my saying. Every time you see my son in Proverbs, you got to remember, it's Solomon writing to his son. But Rehoboam, the problem was not information. Rehoboam had all the information he needed. His problem was who he surrounded himself with. Are you with me? We've got to have the right people in our lives. Let me ask you this. Who's your squad? Who's in your world? Who has your ear? you got to get your squad together now ahead of time. Because guess what? Problems are coming. Crisis is coming. A challenge will sneak up on you. And if you don't, don't wait so late in the game. If you wait until after the fact to pick your squad, how many know you're already in trouble? Mm -mm. Let me give you a quick checklist, okay? Mike, what do I look for in my squad? You need to look for people who have a heart for God. People who love the Lord. I want to tell you something about this church. This is a church that has a heart for God. Everything we do, it's centered around the presence of the Lord. It's about lifting up the name of Jesus. You need people in your life who love God. They value the Lord. The second thing, you got to have people that around you that have a love for people. 
They love people. Uh, man, oh man, it's a bad deal. If you've got individuals in your life and they just can't stand anybody. How many know there's nothing worse than a mean Christian? People that say they love God, but then they're just angry and mean and rude and obnoxious. How many know that's a little confusing? Because the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. I want us to be for people. This is a church that not only has a heart for God, but we are for people. Man, we want to see people succeed. We want to see people live their best life. We want to see people walk in the fullness of their calling. Man, you got to surround yourself with people who love people because bitterness is contagious. Man, you don't want that to poison your life. Don't get bitter. Don't get cynical. Man, don't get small-minded. I'll tell you what, people feel guilty enough by life itself. I think when they come into our churches, they need to feel that God is for them, that God loves them, and that God loves them so much that he will give them exactly what they need to walk in the fullness of their calling. Can I have a good amen? A heart for God, a love for people. But watch this third thing, people that have a commitment to God's word. God's word is the instruction book. It's the road map. Lord, we love you. We care about others, but we're committed to what you've written here in our life. And I love it because God did not want us to be in confusion. He, 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 he not only instructed us verbally, sending us Jesus, but then he's written it down on paper so we can say, okay, you know what? Let me take my life and measure it toward this book. I want people who have a heart for God, a love for others, a commitment to God's word. I need people with experience. How many know it's good to have some mileage around you? That was Rehoboam's problem. He he picked these young guys that didn't have any life experience. Hey, if you're looking for wisdom, you need to look for gray hair or no hair. Come on, somebody. Can I have a better amen? And I know I'm all for the next generation. Hear me. I am. This is a church that sacrifices for our sons and our daughters. We'll do creative things and fun things, and I know it stretches some people. Man, we want to be engaging to to this upcoming generation. We want to be relevant. We want to be a part of their world. But I want to tell something to the young people. You better respect your elders. There is a wealth of wisdom that you need to make use of. My daddy taught me, he said, son, when you're in a room and somebody older than you comes walking into the room, you stand to your feet. What is it? It's a sign of respect. Now, listen, kids, you have Google, and thank God for Google, but you got grandparents. Come on, somebody. And grandparents have been around the block. They've seen some things. They've done some things. I want people in my life who have some mileage. And so I say, okay, thank God for all the information, but now tell me what to do with it. And you know what else I want? I want people to have in my life that have complementary gifts, a gift mix that's different than mine, people that bring something diverse to the table. Let me say this, and I told this to our men several weeks ago, but I want to share this with the church, that nobody has everything. Everybody has something. And together, we have all things. You see why community is important? Why, is it, why are small groups important? Why are relationships, this squad that we're talking about, why is that so important? Because you don't have everything. But guess what? You do have something. 
And the people around you have something that you don't have. You don't have everything. Everybody has something. But if you have a squad around you with different gifts that they contribute, guess what? We have everything that we need. This is an operation in my own life. I want you to know I'm a part of a small group. In fact, I'm a part of two small groups. I just can't get enough. Building relationships. We talk about as a church being big enough to reach the world, but small enough to feel like home. Do you know the men in my small group have been the hand of God to me? They have. They have loved me through my worst. They have seen me in my brokenness. And God has positioned men to speak life to me, to hold me up when my hands have gotten weary. And if I didn't have that, I'm going to tell you, say, but Mike, don't you have the Bible? Yes, I do have the Bible. I have God's Word. And I'm thankful for the presence of the Holy Spirit. But I know that God has created me for relationship. And I've read the Bible through. I, I, and many of you have a daily Bible routine. The last 10 years, I've read the Bible through, uh, from cover to cover, Genesis to Revelation. And God speaks to me through the Word. But you know what? I've heard some things from God in my small group that I would have never gotten just me and the Word. Are you with me? And I'm not trying to devalue the Word. The Word is at the center of it all. But sometimes you can hear best from God through your squad. Are you with me? You see, as a church, we, we're, we're an army. There are thousands of people. There are 12,000 people that will gather at a Healing Place campus somewhere today. 12, you're a part of over 12,000 people that love God and are committed to serve the poor. The strength of an army. That's what you have at your disposal. But not just the strength of an army. You have the love of a family. When you have a squad... You not only do you have the strength of this army, but you've got something small. It's something nuclear. It's something that God has surrounded you, and now you don't have just strength, but you've got love, and everybody needs to be a part of a family. Are you with me? Let me wrap this up. The Bible says in verse 3, they're like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves don't wither, and everything they do will prosper. The third and final point is this, prosper by being planted. Prosper by being planted. How many of you, you want your business to prosper? You want your marriage to prosper? You want your friendships to prosper? You want your future to flourish in God? How is that going to happen? You're going to prosper by being planted. There's a video testimony we want to show to wrap up our time together. But I want you to turn your attention to the screen. And I want you to see, I want you to see how God took one man from darkness into light and what that transition looked like as God planted him, not just in a church, but in a squad and a group of guys that stand with him and fight for him. Check this out. My life before God was in it has, uh, was a life of me trying to uh, find happiness everywhere except for with God, you know. Um, at my house, I have a 30-foot-long bar, you know. I got a camp on the river with a big bar out of it, you know. I built my life that, that drinking was going to satisfy my entire life. Um, and it was one of my biggest downfalls, <laughs> for sure. I think I had it um, confused before, you know, that, that I had to be good enough or that I had to, uh, you know, clean my life up enough to, to please God, you know? And that's where I needed to start instead of starting with a relationship with God. 
and letting him come in and clean my life up. Every time I did that, I tried to do that alone. What I did different was I surrounded myself with other men, with um, other godly men, just committed myself to every time the doors is open, show up, and eventually wind up starting a small group. To be honest, uh, this walk with God has been almost the opposite of what I thought it would be. I really thought that, uh, you know, that I was gonna have to change everything about me, change who I was, change, you know, my group of friends that I hung out with every day. And, and so the fears of, of starting a group were uh, tremendous. There's just a thousand excuses that popped in my, in my head of why not to do this. You know, when other people were actually telling me I should do it or, or encouraging me to do it, or um, me even thinking about it myself, you know, just sitting down and saying, okay, how, how am I really gonna do this? You know, like, I'm actually gonna lead a small group, really. Um, I've never even been to a small group, number one. Didn't have the, uh, the experience, didn't have the background, didn't have the knowledge that I would think that it would take for someone to lead a small group. It's been awesome, and, uh, and I would challenge anybody that's, that has all the fears that, that I had. Every single one of them seemed like, uh, monumental fears that I, that I wasn't going to be able to conquer and I wasn't going to be able to do this. And I just want to be there every week for the guys that's coming, to be honest with you. And, you know, having a group of guys coming into my home every week, my home that I built a bar at that I thought was going to be the party house the rest of my life has turned into the great place to have great fellowship. It's, it's really made me uh, fall in love with guys that need the help. As it's going on, it's just, uh, it's the highlight of my life. The small groups turn into my small world. <laughs> oh, come on, let's clap our hands. Isn't that awesome? And I know Jeff Rabin is, is here today. Jeff, where are you? Where's, where's Jeff? I, I want to celebrate him. Is he among us? I saw your wife earlier. Come on, put your hands together. Show your love for this guy right here. I've been knowing this guy. For, for almost 25, 30 years. And to go from the party bar to the God Squad. Come on, somebody. Total life transformation. I, I want to encourage you today. You need what Jeff talked about. You, you need that. Nobody in here is ever going to do the will of God all by themselves. You got to have the right people around you. And when you came in today, hopefully you got one of these cards, all right? I want you to Take them. Here's how we're going to eat. It's going to be a little bit different across all of our campuses right there at Denham. It's going to be a little different than what we're used to, but I want you to take this card out. And I feel like this is so important for the life of our church. This, is, this could be make or break for you. On this card, you'll see it's got some great information, but on the flip side, it's got really two places for you to fill out information. And what I want you to do right now is I want you to just think about the people in your life, those that you naturally connect to your friends, and I want you to identify them. Go ahead and write their names out on, on, on the left side of this card. Just, you know, again, this is not about you being thrust into a group of strangers. This is about you, and maybe it's people that you work with, maybe it's a neighbors next door, maybe it's uh, soccer moms, you know, maybe you're connected because of certain kids and the sports that they play. Think about the people you enjoy being around, and I want you to identify them. 
And here's what I'm going to ask of you, because I feel like this is so important for us as a church. If we're going to go to the next level, we got to be able to have the right squad of people around us. You need these relationships. And guess what? They need you. Just like Jeff in, in his story, and he needed some things in his life, and God supplied that. But guess what? God's using him to add value to a lot of men, and his influence and impact has grown exponentially. Here's what we're asking. Here, here's what we need. We need some of you to step up and do just what Jeff has done. And it, it, I'm, I'm not trying to put a bunch of work on you. It's just a little intentionality to the current friendships you already have. You, some of you are already in a small group, and you're thriving, and you're growing. And I say, praise God, this series is going to be super beneficial. It's going to give you some, some tracks to run on. Maybe some of you have been in a group at one time, but you've kind of drifted. You're not active. You're not current. I'm going to ask you to re-up, renew some of those relationships, and we're going to put a little intentionality to it. But there are those of you that aren't in a group at all. And this is what I'm asking of you. And I'm believing here at this campus that we're going to have a hundred people do this in this service. I need a hundred men, a hundred women, a hundred students, whatever season of life you're in, I'm believing for a hundred in this service that will say, you know what? I'll step up to host a group. At Denim, we need 20. I need 20 of you at Denim today in this service to step up and say, you know what? I'll try it. It's all about picking a time and a place gathering with your friends, and then we will give you all the information you need. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to have great Bible knowledge. You don't have to have any training whatsoever. If you've got relationships and you drop Jesus in the middle of those relationships, watch what God does. There's something transforming that happens. All you got to do is just create the experience. It could be at a coffee shop. It could be at your office before work. It could be in a living room. Man, it, it could be before service, you know, meeting in the, you know, uh, somewhere on property and just say, hey, let's take a few minutes. And what we're going to do through this series, through this, it's just a, a four-week commitment through this series. We're going to give you questions based on the teaching on Sundays. And everybody's making decisions. Some, some people have been making bad decisions, okay? Some people have made some very, very poor choices. Smart people, good people, but they're in a bad place. So we'll tell you what happens. How do you make corrections? You make corrections through connections. Do you hear me? That's how we course correct. Some people have been off course, and God's going to use you to kind of rope them in and help them make sense of this season in their life. So here's what I want to ask you to do. If you would, if you feel God stirring in your heart, maybe some of you need to take a step of faith. Say, you know what, Pastor? I'll try it. Just try You're not obligated for the next six months. We're just asking you to take this series and create some intentional conversation with your natural circle of friends. And then let's see what God does. Amen. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.